0: Suffreaks, it's your boy Marty here to introduce this rip of TFTC. I just sat down with Andy Schoonover, the founder of Crowd Health. We talked a lot about ob- obesity. Obesity is a big problem here in the United States, and it's significantly increasing healthcare costs for every American. It's it's a big figurative weight on, on our healthcare costs, figurative and literal. Uh, very interesting episode. It's important. You got to take care of your health. More individuals need to take in agency over their health. I think that's the lesson that's going to be gleaned from this episode. It was brought to you by our good friends at Unchained Capital. They're right down the hall from me here at the Bitcoin Commons in Austin, Texas. And they're here to bring you the best way to buy Bitcoin. You go to slash trading, you buy Bitcoin, and it goes directly into a two or three multi sig vault, cold storage with geographically distributed keys. The best way to hold your Bitcoin. You hold two of those keys so that you have full control of your Bitcoin. If you have the two keys, you can sign two of the three signatures necessary to move your Bitcoin, so you always have control. Um, Unchained holds the third key in case you're ever in a pinch. And again, the trading desk that has just been popped up at Unchained is the best way to buy Bitcoin. The more fumbling for uh, addresses on wallets that you're trying to move the uh, off exchange. No more depending on a third party exchange to hold your Bitcoin on your behalf with the potential of being rugged. You buy Bitcoin via Unchained's trading desk and it goes straight to two or three multisig. It's available in 33 states right now. They're quickly moving towards 50 states, so hopefully it'll be available to every American. Uh, at some point in the near future, go to unchained.com slash trading. If you want to reach out to their team directly to, to learn more about the product, you can do so there. This trip was also brought to you by our good friends at Brains. Brains. It's a beautiful thing. If you're in the mining industry, if you're mining and you're not using Brains products, I don't know what's wrong with you. We're going to have to have a sit down and really talk about what you're doing with your life and where you, where you see yourself going in the future. Hopefully it's adopting Brains products, which include Brains Pool, which is the longest running mining pool in Bitcoin's existence, the first ever. Uh, they have Brains OS Plus firmware, which allows you to download custom firmware on to your ASIC compatible ASICs, which is gonna help you stack more SATs at the end of the day. Only an idiot wouldn't stack more SATs. So if you have an ASIC that's compatible with Brains OS Plus firmware, make sure you're downloading it. They have Brains Insights, which is your one-stop shop for all your mining data needs. We just had a 13.5% upward difficulty adjustment, new all-time high difficulty. If you were on Brains Insights at any point in the last week or two, you would have seen that coming. Uh, they also have calculators for uh, profitability and cost of mining. So if you're running an operation, they have tools for you there as well. And then they have their blog and their books that they're putting out. So go to brains.com, B-R-A-I-I-N-S.com to check out all of this. This rip was also brought to you by good friends at Hoddle Hoddle. Hoddle Hoddle is here to bring you a peer to peer lending platform with no KYC, no AML, and it leverages Bitcoin's native multi sig properties. And on top of that, it's got lower rates than many of the lending platforms out there right now. So, what you do is you put your Bitcoin up if you're looking for stablecoin liquidity in a two or three multi sig escrow account. You hold one key, your counterparty in the loan holds one key, and Hoddle Hoddle holds the third key. Since you have one key in that two or three multi-sig quorum, you have visibility into your escrow wallets throughout the duration of your loan. So you know that if you're paying it back plus the interest associated with it, you're going to get your sats back at the end of the day. You know it's not being rehypothecated. Uh, if you have stable coins, you want to get yield on them. You go to the other side of this book, you loan out your stable coins for somebody holding Bitcoin as collateral in the two or three multi-sig and they pay you back plus interest. And that's how you, that's where your yield comes from there. Again, no KYC, no AML, peer to peer. Lower rates, it's a beautiful thing. Com. Last but not least, disclaimer Andy, who this interview is with, is the CEO of CrowdHealth, which is bringing you this episode as well. CrowdHealth, again, is here to help you uh, take over your healthcare again. Instead of working with these opaque black box insurance companies, CrowdHealth has really identified Uh, problems that exist throughout the health insurance industry and is looking to create a new product, not health insurance, that uh, provides people with better options. So when you join the CrowdHealth community, what you're doing is joining a community uh, in CrowdHealth and a company with CrowdHealth that will go out there and actually uh, deal with you in a personable way. You'll have a healthcare advocate uh, throughout your time with CrowdHealth, the same person that will uh, help you set up your doctor's appointments, walk you through uh, the bills that you may need to pay. Um, and everything that, that you could imagine with your with your health care. Uh, I mentioned bills. One thing crowd health does that is incredible is help you lower your health care costs because they'll actually go out and on your behalf negotiate your health care bills lower. Andy talks about um, him doing this personally and having uh, other crowd health CrowdHealth members do this. Uh, a lot of anecdotes in this episode about that. They actually can help you negotiate prices lower and the doctors like it because they get paid in cash almost immediately. They don't have to deal with the bureaucratic bullshit. The way you engage with CrowdHealth is you become a member and then you pay a monthly fee into a dedicated health account, a bank account that you control. Um, If you join the Bitcoin community, you pay a monthly fee. Part of that goes into the dedicated health account, the bank account, and part of that goes into Bitcoin. Uh, So you can speculative attack your future healthcare costs with Bitcoin alongside uh, cuck bucks in the in the bank account um, if you ever have a health event you bring your bill to crowd health they negotiate it lower and then whatever you have to pay beyond five hundred dollars you pay the first five hundred dollars anything beyond that gets crowdfunded by the crowd health community uh, they've had hundred percent of their bills paid to date can't guarantee just from pure uh, regulatory perspective they can't guarantee it but to date they've had hundred percent of their bills paid If you wanna join, use the code TFTC at checkout. You'll get $99 a month for the first six months uh, for a membership fee. Go to joincrowdhealth.com slash TFTC uh, to see our landing page and the episodes we've done with Andy. I'm sure this one will be up there soon enough. Enjoy Freaks.
1: You've had a dynamic where money's become freer than free.
0: Yeah, we've we've already been recording andy and i a podcast <laughs> for like the last 10 minutes so we said logan let's hit record andy welcome back
1: thanks man thanks for having me
0: thanks for coming on i mean we're about to talk about some very important topics i mean you were emailing me over the weekend you were listening to the podcast i just recorded with slim yeah, which was awesome thank you oh well Jesus slim stuff. slim does all the work i just sit here and <laughs> try to lead him to uh and pull stuff out of him but no one one you know, the big topics of that episode was obesity. And the fact that our country is fat. It's only getting fatter. Diabetes is going up, obviously, in the context of what you're doing mm-hmm. at crowd health. Crowd health uh, healthcare costs are going up as a result of, of people getting fatter and, and more unhealthy. And As we roll in to open enrollment season here in the healthcare industry, uh, I really wanted to get you back on to talk about these topics and and lean into, like, all right, Bitcoin is helping us figure out how to do money differently. Like how is crowd health like approaching healthcare in a different way? and why is it better? But let's just start with yeah obesity. How bad of a problem is it?
1: Well, yeah, no, interesting. like I, I reached out to you because i was I was listening to you in Slim. I was driving from Austin to Tyler, Texas. So for those of you who don't know, Tyler is about four hours northeast of here. It's about two hours southeast of Dallas. And you go through all these little towns, you know, you go through Corsicana and you go through Powell and you go through the, our favorite one was Karen's, Texas. We're like, how many Karen's are in Karen's, Texas, <laughs> you know? Um, and so you go through these towns and you're like, man, they've, they've all got, like, like Slim said, a Dollar General and a Dairy Queen. Some of these towns have like two or three, four Dairy Queens. And you're like, holy crap. Like, this is the, these are the options that these, these folks have. And we talk about these food deserts, right? And most people think about food deserts as like the urban core. Yeah, inner city. Inner city, urban core. And these food deserts are all over the country in the middle of nowhere, Texas, where they just don't have any access to really good food or the food that they have access to, which is actually being produced in their backyards, is being exported to either other cities or as Slim was talking about, other countries. You know, so I was, I was living it as I was driving four hours to Tyler and listening to Slims. So I was like, man, Marty and I need to talk about this because this a, it's a big, big deal. Yeah. Big deal.
0: I mean, it's George Carlin's America. is just the land totally. of strip malls, gas stations, yeah. and fast food restaurants. Yeah.
1: Well, you know, as, as I was as I was thinking about crowd health, you know, I, I told you on the, the last time we came together, I, I got screwed because you know, my daughter had her ear infection and we went to the hospital, got tubes in her ears, $8,000. Health plan says it's yours and it's medically unnecessary. And so we had to pay that. I was like, you know, pissed off. And so as you kind of walk through the phases of starting a new business, you're like, what is the problem here? Like, why are we paying so much for, for health care? And there's just so many, mis- you know, perceptions, right? Um, misinformation about this. And so I started doing some doing some research and, you know, basically came down to two reasons. One is we pay ridiculously high prices and we have an obesity problem in this country you know mo- most people think it's like oh we just we consume too much health care but in reality if you look at the data um, there's actually data from uh, an organization called OECD is the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development it's 38 countries across the, the world that share data and it's North America South America you know all over the place and if you look at that data it's like the United States per capita consumes no more health care on than than the average than the average you know country out there but we have twice as many folks who are obese who consume twice as much health care than folks who are non-obese so if you just think the math of that for a second right like think about that like pie chart of like here's a unit of healthcare. care um, we have twice as many people consuming twice as much yet on average we consume the same amount as other countries what does that tell you non-obese people in the united states actually consume significantly less health care than the average country
0: and they're subsidizing the chronically
1: obese and they're subsidizing the and we're subsidizing the chronically obese not
0: only subsidizing they're overpaying for it too yeah
1: for sure so we're subsidizing the overbeast and we're overpaying and so you get to multiplier effect of that which you know doing just back of the envelope math is somewhere between 600 billion and a trillion dollars a year of healthcare costs that we're we're doing we're we're paying as a result of obesity so obesity on average throughout OECD is 18 percent um this is a year to go data we're at like 38 now it's insane 38 percent of our folks are are obese um and so you know, that has a massive impact on our, on our healthcare costs. And it's you and I who are the ones who are, who are subsidizing that.
0: Well, let's go like a layer below the healthcare costs. What does obesity do for people's health? What kind of yeah costs are they accruing? What is their day-to-day, month-to-month, year-to-year lifestyle? Like how does, how does obesity negatively affect the individual?
1: Yeah. So, you know, the, the, the studies, the latest studies that I've seen, it's, you know, if you are morbidly obese and it's somewhere like 38, um, body mass index, BMI or greater, you know, you ha- you live- will live 10 years less, uh, shorter than that of a non-obese person. So if you think back to stats too, where people say like the United States healthcare system sucks because, you know, we're living, you know, two years less than the average economically developed country. Well, take, you know, the 20% that we are more obese times 10 years there, there's your number, right? This is just math. Like most of this is not because of the system; it's because people are eating crap. You know, they're putting crap into their bodies. So, you know, di- diabetes has gone up from one percent in 1970 to eight percent in the latest the latest studies that I've seen. So, it's a, an eightfold increase in the last 50 years of of diabetes. And diabetes will wreck you. It will wreck your entire metabolic system. Um, and so the cost of that is about two to two and a half times um, as much as somebody who's who's non-obese. And so this impacts, you know, every component of our healthcare cost is if you go obese, you will be two to two and a half times more expensive over your lifetime than somebody who's non-obese.
0: Yeah. And that's another thing we started discussing before we hit record was the increase in childhood, childhood obesity, which is almost doubled over the last 20 years, and then factoring in these multiplier effects and lifetime healthcare costs, we're probably only seeing the tip of the iceberg in terms of how much is it going to cost society moving forward, because we've only had a generation, maybe a generation and a half, two generations maybe, of this trend towards increasing obesity and diabetes and other similar side effects of being overweight begin to hit society, but now we're sort of normalizing to a certain extent almost 20 percent of children are obese at the youngest age when you think they get obese younger they're going to have higher health care costs at a younger age and if they get diabetes juvenile diabetes whatever it may be that stays with them forever so that's a cost associated to that and so health care costs we were talking looked at the u.s debt clock medicaid entitlements right now are 1.475 trillion a year yeah, i think incredible. here in the u.s and if these people are getting childhood obesity, don't make a change, and they continue on to their adulthood and eventually fall into the bucket where they'll be receiving Medicaid. We can only imagine what the healthcare costs will be 20, 30, 40 years from now.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the body of a, a 10 or 15 year old kid, right, can can take a little bit more than that of that than a 50 or 60 year old. And so what do our healthcare looks like, look like in two or three decades? I mean, it's gonna be an absolute mess. It's gonna be an absolute mess. So that's why we got to change it. We got to do something, and that's why I love what you and Slim talked about is, you know, these 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 food deserts that we kind of think about as as you know rural rural places, and it's like urban core. You know, typically people think about the urban core, but these things are are out everywhere. Yeah, everywhere.
0: Yeah, it's really. I mean, how do we fix it? I've I've always fell back on we need to really get individuals to assert agency over their own life and their own health care and actually take responsibility and, and try to live a healthier lifestyle but it's hard because yeah. it like with these food deserts and another thing the government completely lied to us with the the food
1: pyramid and people were eating something like 12 servings of bread a day sugar fruits and that crap is still actually. online like it's it's still it's still on government websites this stupid food pyramid where pasta and cheerios are more nutritious for you than a steak which is, it's, it's absolutely ridiculous. It's ridiculous. It's you know, insane. The, the other thing too is in, everybody wants to point fingers, right, and, and um, one of the, the data points that I found was really interesting is they're like, oh, well, you know, as, as you get, um, the, the, the middle class is disappearing, right? You, you hear this in mainstream media. The, the middle class is disappearing. But in fact, if you actually look at the data, more people of that middle class went up than went down. Yeah, so it is, it is getting tighter, right? But more of those people are going up, than get down. It's like, okay, well, we have more poor people. And so that must mean that they don't have access to the same you know, good, nutritious you know, food um, that, that we do as you know, middle or upper class folks. But the data will show that actually men, as they get um, higher income, actually become more obese. Right, so the correlation between now women actually go the opposite way. <laughs> 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 women get um, less obesity rates as they go up, but the correlation between obesity and and poverty is really really poor. I mean, it is almost a zero correlation. Um, and so this is not about income levels. It's not about access. I think it's it, it really is about education. One, right? Like I don't I don't think people are educated to understand that carbohydrates, these high carb pastas and things like that, destroy your body. I mean, they it is blood sugars that is ultimately the destruction of your metabolic, you know, systems. And people just don't understand that, right? Like people can go and look at a pack of Twizzlers and they can say fat-free, which literally on the front of Twizzlers, it says fat-free and yeah, it is, it's fat-free, but look at the carbs in that thing. It's that, just chemicals. It's just chemicals. I mean, it'll, it'll, it's that high fructose Corn syrup that goes directly into your system and destroys your metabolic system. You know, I've got one of these uh, continuous glucose meters um, Mm -hmm. that you can actually see. You know, you have a a a pack of Twizzlers. I actually tested it. Um, I I took a snapshot of it. I'll probably put it on Twitter, and you can see your blood sugars just go, go 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 through the roof. And if you understood the metabolic processes behind that, you know, your body's just getting pumped with insulin which ultimately gets turned into fat and people don't understand that's what all carbohydrates do you know and and so it's like oh no that's good for energy and things like that well your body can get energy from other things too like don't pop you know put put that crap into your body over and over and over and over again um and i'm, I'm a guy who loves my you know chips and and queso so i'm, I'm not saying you like don't don't enjoy life but if you do that over and over and over again i mean it is going to destroy your your body and ultimately lead to to diabetes and and other you know chronic conditions
0: yeah i'm having flashbacks to high school lacrosse like before games we were highly encouraged to carbo load yeah the night before so we'd have enough energy to win the game
1: yeah i mean it, and it's and it's still to this day misinformation is being put out there around around healthcare, and I think slim hit on a lot of it right it's these these corporate interests that are having such a a huge impact on our on our system and what what we believe and don't believe I mean we'll talk about another one is this might be controversial but um you know especially as we're talking about a high protein animal fat type diet which is what I I you know subscribe to I mean like listen my my last meal on this planet you know you kind of have those fun questions like what we would actually, your what would your last meal be We had this discussion last
0: night at the dinner table.
1: Yeah, we had, we had this debate. We had a few friends
0: over. We cooked steaks and then we had the last meal.
1: Discussion. And I, I was I was listening to Slim and you get you talk about you know, you're you out at in Jersey and and having this just cool you know occasion where you were there for six hours or something like smoking meat and and stuff like that. I was like my last meal would include a steak, you know, or barbie or brisket, you know, from, from Franklin probably. Um, You know, so I'm, I am all about that. That would be my last meal. Then it's like, okay, well, what happens if your cholesterol goes too high, right? Like that's the, the, the mainstream media. It was
0: psyoped into thinking red meat because
1: you have very high cholesterol. Yeah, exactly. And then we've also been psyoped, I think personally, I'm not a medical doctor, so don't take this, but it's high cholesterol equals heart attacks and we're seeing more and more and more studies come out that's like that actually may not be the case
0: aren't there two different types of cholesterol
1: yeah there's there's HDL and LDL Mm -hmm. so HDL is the good carbohydrate Um, LDL is the bad carbohydrate right and so I'm actually going through this right now because I'm I just got my lab test like two weeks ago and I have really high LDL which is the bad stuff which doctors tell you sits in your arteries and uh, oxidizes and then plaques and will, you know, eventually lead to a heart attack. You know, and so I'm looking at all these studies and there's a study from two years ago that said 77% of people who had heart attacks did not have high LDL. And so you can look at that and you can come away with two conclusions. One, LDL may not actually have, you know, lead to heart attacks or which is what this study led to is like we actually need to lower our threshold for what a high ldl is (laughs) right i mean it's like this mind game and and so what does that change the models and so what does that what does that mean so that means i'm on statins right it's like that means more people on statins which is the probably the most profitable drug ever produced
0: yeah it's blood thinners right
1: no no it's 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 cholesterol lowers uh I th- I think that's the right drug. If I do, if I got that right, somebody can can ping me. But you know they want to put me on statins, which you know I'll be on for the rest of my life. And so I'm I'm really doing this research of saying, is this right? Well, you know? you know what the
0: research I would like to see. Maybe it's out there. I just haven't come across it, and I haven't been looking for it honestly. But now that we're in this conversation, it's stoking my interest. Like how prevalent like how prevalent were heart attacks before, let's say 1900? Like or Let's go even further back before 1500 like how prevalent were even before zero AD like when humanity was on a predominantly carnivore diet and we were hunting uh, animals and just eating eating flesh that was the the main part of our diet like yeah. were heart attacks prevalent back then? if so, interesting if not, maybe there there isn't anything in this LDL discussion
1: yeah if you, if you line up heart attacks and obesity, they almost line up perfect. It means that the correlation is really, really high. You know, like I'm 185, I'm 6'2". You know, I've, I'm one of five, nobody in my house has had a heart attack. My mom's one of five, my dad was one of five. You know, they, they haven't had heart attacks, but the doctors are coming back and saying, this LDL is probably genetic. I was like, okay, if it's genetic and nobody in my extended family has ever had a heart attack, don't we think that maybe this is not, you know, really that bad for me and it actually might be good. And in fact, cholesterol is made by your body. Every cell in your body has cholesterol in it. Your brain is basically made of cholesterol, right? This is, this is not necessarily a bad thing. Again, it's not medical advice. It's just one of those, you know, things that I'm really trying to figure out. And this is the beauty of a Bitcoin. Like we need to be curious about alternative reasons for things that we've been told, right? Cholesterol is bad let's actually like question that. Let's 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 get curious about is cholesterol actually bad?
0: Yeah, it's correlation causation here. Exactly. When it comes to like rises in obesity, correlating tightly with heart disease and heart attacks. I mean, that makes sense. Like if you get obese, you're less likely to be mobile. So you're less likely yeah. to get your blood flowing. Is that a problem? Is it strictly cholesterol? Or is there uh, a number of factors that go into increased potential for heart attacks. Movement and activity being one of them. Like how much yeah. is somebody being uh, just a couch potato and contributing to the, their potential for a heart attack later? in life? I would imagine significantly more than um, cholesterol consumption as you have a control group, people like yourself who are 162, 185 healthy with a family lineage who uh, has had a similar diet that does not yeah. succumb to heart attacks.
1: Well, the other thing too is that what studies are say, showing is that the amount of cholesterol that you intake doesn't necessarily equate to the amount of cholesterol that is kept within the body. So there's you know these I don't know what I'm not gonna you know know the details of this but there's only so many receptors or something in your your digestive tract that can carry these cholesterol you know um, to other parts of the body everything else just gets crapped out. So it's like 90 percent of the cholesterol in your body is actually produced by your body and is not from huh. animal protein so it's a reaction too yeah and so people i, th- I think it's just this con- continued war on animal animal proteins candidly right like people people don't want you to whether it's climate change or you know save the cows or, or whatever it is it's it's like all this misinformation mis- about animal protein to keep people from eating good nutritious you know food and as opposed like what you and you and slim were talking about this burger made of sludge basically (laughs) chemicals chemicals
0: it's uh no it's funny it's 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 a it's a it seems like a big example of don't believe your lying eyes because like you you, like i i know many people in my life who have decided to move away from a carb -heavy, heavy diet to a more animal fat diet and obviously you have uh the carnivore movement in in the influencer space we have uh people like paul saldino uh you have sean baker you have all these examples of individuals who have done this and they look incredible like they're doctors and they're jacked and they look very healthy look very vibrant Mm -hmm. and they're using they're they're using this diet heavy in animal fats to to attain a healthier lifestyle and then you have like the people at the fda who look like ghoulish and pale and a lot of the health ministers throughout the world who are pushing yeah. this type of diet on people are uh, not not really in shape. And again, it's a, it's like a big example of don't believe your lying eyes. Like these people who are pushing high animal fat proteins and a healthier as a healthier lifestyle actually look healthy and vibrant and strong and um, young. They look younger, and the others who are telling you this is bad for you look like absolute shit
1: yeah I mean it's 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 it's, sho- it's shocking and again I, I love the fact that Bitcoiners will go that extra step to actually question not just be like oh yeah you know like the absence of logic in our society is pretty crazy if we were a little bit better at math and problem solving you know as opposed to just basing our decisions on you know what we're told um or fear or some other emotion I think we'd be we'd be way better off just to close out this loop real quick is what i've ended up finding out is it's not just necessarily high cholesterol there's actually a component of that ldl that bad cholesterol that has been proven to be bad for you so it's not just high cholesterol it's there's three types of ldl cholesterol and you can do tests like it's called an apob test and an lp little a test and so i went and got those tests and i'm fine like those are super low you know my ldl is high but these two components of of cholesterol are super low and but nobody tells you that Right, so you have to go and, and try to figure this out. There's actually a, a really great doc, Peter Atia, um mm-hmm. who is here in Austin, I believe. Um, he's just wicked smart. He's a Stanford guy. Um, and he does really cool kind of alternative views on, on health. And so if anybody has any health questions, I'd, I'd go to Peter Atia on YouTube or, or one of those. Um, just awesome. Really, really good stuff.
0: Are you sending people to misinformation spreaders? No, these this is the Peter
1: thing? Admit, dude. This this dude's this dude's legit. He's actually a- asking the questions that I feel like most doctors should be asking.
0: Yeah, but again, this is just, I was joking. This yeah. is a level of discourse when it comes to like these hard questions. Like, no, you have to trust the FDA, the CDC. You cannot go against.
1: It. Yeah, or the American College of Cardiology, which is like, or the American Heart Association. Like, all your primary care docs, all they do is read the summary you know, studies from American Heart Association, all these huge, you know, entities, which have lots of other stakeholders that may not be in our best interest. They make these decisions. And so my primary care doc is like, yeah, if you have high cholesterol, you need to go on statins, just like this. And I was like, no, I'm not doing that. Like, I, I don't wanna pump pharma into my my body if, if I don't absolutely need it. And so let's actually question this. I think this is one of the interesting outputs from the pandemic is I think people are starting to question a lot of this BS that the they're science. getting the science around some of these these pharmaceuticals. Like, look, people can look at a pharmaceutical companies like they're the reason for our really high healthcare costs. They're only ten percent of healthcare, so pharma is only ten percent of our costs. Really? Yeah. So about four hundred billion of the four trillion is pharma, and so we could cut it in half, and we should. We actually pay two and a half times more on average for our pills than anybody else in the world. Um, so we could cut it that ten percent down to if you just do the math four the four percent right and so one point or one hundred sixty billion as opposed to you know four four trillion if I did the math right or four sorry one hundred sixty billion instead of four hundred billion, um, but it's not the reason why our healthcare is really cost. There's some externalities of pharma and all that kind of stuff that I think are huge also, um, but the pharmaceutical cost in themselves is only ten percent of of our healthcare costs. What um, makes
0: up the other parts of the healthcare cost?
1: Yeah, so I mean, so the other ones, I, again, as I was trying to, you know, figure out where are the issues here, let's look where everybody's pointing and see if that's actually the case, you know, and so everybody's like, oh, doctors get paid too much, you know, doctors do get paid in the United States about twice as much as any other, you know, doc in, in the, in the country or in the, uh, in the world. So docs in the United States make, um, on average, about 290 a year. There's a million of them, so that you can do the math, $290 billion. $4 trillion of healthcare costs. Add ten percent benefits to those docs. It's like eight percent. It's eight percent of our healthcare costs come from doc salaries, which is not that much. Like you would think that these are the doctors. They're the ones that are actually providing the care. They're only eight percent of of healthcare. Um, so that's not the problem. Pharma is about ten percent. Obesity ends up being about you know somewhere between twenty and thirty percent from, from oh, mine. Shit um and then you know t- administration cost is somewhere in that 20 to 30 percent level and that's where proud health really comes in is like we rip out all the administration components of this but it's it's administration i mean you you tweeted something two or three weeks back maybe it was a little longer than that It's was like since 1970 the amount of administration goes you know go through the roof whereas uh you know uh the actual cost of the providers is kind of like flat, with the, like a little bit going up, right? I mean, it's it's crazy. We were actually average back in 1970 um, amongst all the countries in in this OECD, um, and now we are twice as much per capita as any other country. And it started in 1970, 1973 to be exact, which it's the HMO Act, which basically was saying, hey now insurance companies, you can be HMOs and they then take over the world and united the the parent company of Cigna, the parent company of Aetna, all of these companies started between nineteen seventy 1970 and nineteen seventy eight. And then it just all got, you know, held in the handbasket because of these these insurance companies bifurcated us and our doc. And we then have kind of a principal-agent problem. Yeah. You know, we, we have the agent not be not being us, an agent being one that's actually against us, like against all of our interests.
0: Yeah, they create an administrative layer that's just and an administrative problems. layers that's crazy. What well, happens? This is what, one of my big pet peeves. It's like what, like so in healthcare, you have this administration sort of implanted between the patient and the provider, which. As obviously, like, you have inflation of administrators over actual healthcare providers, which is insane. People just pushing papers and middle management and yeah. working deals with, with pharma, and whatever it may be, suppliers for the hospitals and um, actually billing people at the end of the day. And you talk to any, I mean, we discussed this on the first episode, I'm sure. Like, the doctors hate dealing with these people because yeah. it's uh, a bunch of bureaucratic bullshit. But this happens all over. Like, one of my other pet peeves is diploma inflation in the area of law. Like if you look at like a similar chart to the mm-hmm. one you just described is the amount of law degrees that have been given out over the last 50, uh, 50 years. And you've had insane diploma inflation in the legal realm. And over the same time, that correlates very heavily with the number of laws that have been written, the number of regulations that have been written. And so that's adding just more friction to the free market is you, you go tell A generation, two generations of people, you need to go to college, uh, get a degree, and then get a good paying job out of that. Oh, by the way, one of the best jobs you can get is being a lawyer. They go, they get that degree, and they become a lawyer, and like, hey, I need a job. Let's go make some laws or find somewhere where they need new laws or regulations written.
1: Now, now all of our legislators are are lawyers. And by the way, like, you know, the number one lobbyist, more money spent on lobbying by healthcare companies. (laughs) than almost any other, you know, industry. All the other industries combined, you know, it was like a billion dollars last year on lobbying from the healthcare space. You know, and so yeah, we I call it the medical industrial complex. Yeah. It's not too different than the the military industrial complex back, you know, 50 or 60 years ago. Uh,
0: and today, it still exists. Like well, so. yeah,
1: and it's until till today, right? Yeah, yeah for, absolutely still today. Man, I, one of the things I love though on when you and Slim talked it was like, how do we make this optimistic? right? Yeah. Like, I think the optimistic part about this is if you don't eat crap, if you really have like a, a low time preference approach to your health, which is, you know, let's eat well now so that I can feel really good when I'm in my 50s, 60s and 70s, 80s, right? Um, versus let's eat crap now to feel good right now, but my body deteriorates over the next two decades. Like if if you can, can have a low carb you know diet if you exercise the probability of you having a chronic condition is very very small very small right so one study says 70 to 80 percent of chronic conditions are preventable right which means that if if you work <laughs> a out a lot if you work out and you eat right you more than likely are not going to have a chronic condition like that's the optimistic piece of this
0: yeah and and going back to like Slim's conversation. I mean, that that's really what I was leaning into, like, how do we change this? We've, we focused on supermarkets and all the sh- poison they're selling people. Like, how do you begin to, um, to basically pull that apart and, um, get people away from going and, and buying all this shit. But another thing, going back to like the FDA, the food pyramid, like, there needs to be a private market solution. Like Bitcoin is a private market solution to the money problem to the health problem we need like a private market like food pyramid or something like that and because the food pyramid obviously it has the makeup of uh the shit that they want you to eat but then it also says you need three square meals a day and that's another thing yeah slim and i talked about so that, interesting that's a massive sigh up in itself we don't need three square meals a day we probably only need to eat twice a day if that uh, one large meal a day could probably uh, sustain us uh, very very easily uh, as humans. Yeah. And it's so like, how, like, and I think there, we are, again, staying on the optimistic tip, as I was mentioning, we are, we have seen this upswell of um of of doctors on YouTube or on Twitter, wherever they may be, who are beginning to say, hey, this FDA approved, CDC approved, uh, American Heart Association approved mandate of what is actually healthy and what isn't may be wrong. Here's other options. Mm-hmm. You don't have to trust me, but here's what I'm laying out. And then hopefully depend on uh, individuals having the ability to think critically, make decisions uh, for themselves and begin to trend towards that. I, I do think that that trend is is rising.
1: I mean, I think, I think that's right. I mean, I think as you guys were talking about being optimistic, there's been some wins. Um, there's been some wins over the last year, especially with what Slim is doing. And, you know, I don't think everybody has the option of, you know, going to your local you know uh, rancher and getting it direct right but at least start with stay on the outside of the store like don't go yeah. inside yeah right I mean I think that's a great start and and people that is counterintuitive to a lot of people because of bad education to say too much meat is bad for me too much cheese is bad for me too much the, stay on the outside of, of the grocery store and nine times out of ten you're gonna be okay. You know you're gonna be okay if you do that and if you do that you will more than likely lose weight C- crazy story from just this weekend talking to a relative who's on weight watchers <laughs> Right, this is how screwed up the system is and uh i was like okay so how do you they how do they decide like what points you get like they get certain number of points per day or whatever and she's like, oh, yeah, we can have as many um, potatoes as we want with whatever we want. but And that's zero points, right? But if... Uh, and I was like, oh, what about like a steak? And she's like, oh, no, like a steak is like four to six points. And that's for like, I think it was like three ounces or something like that. I was <laughs> like, who's having a three ounce steak, you know, one, and, and, and you can have as many potatoes as you want, which, by the way, is like, super rich in carbs um will be turned to fat in your body whereas a steak is bad for you and I think it's proof it's proven over and over and over like if you cut the carbs out of your diet you will your body will start using fat as the energy as opposed to carbohydrates you will um start losing weight you know and so here's the other thing too is man I'm all this interesting kind of like stuff that i am learned about on nutrition is how do you think you actually lose weight like where does it come out of everybody thinks you lose weight by shitting, <laughs> right? Like you're like, oh, you're like, hey, do I lose weight by, you know, if, I, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm crapping a lot, does that mean I'm losing weight? It's like, no, it's the exact opposite of that. It's actually like, if you're on a ho- high protein diet, what happens is you start pissing a lot because that that fat is broken down and it comes out of your body as either urine or hydrogen out of your, or, sorry, carbon out of your mouth. Right, and so I never do that. Yeah, so it, you can actually look it up. There's a really cool articles on this where if you start pissing a lot and you're not crapping, it's like okay, well, my body is is understanding that I need to break down fat for energy. And if you look at fat, like a, a beautiful ribeye, right, like that fat, especially if you put it on that grill, that stuff starts melting. Yeah. Right, and so that's what your body does to that fat too when it starts built you using it as as energy. It melts it down, and it you know it ends up coming out of your body is as as piss right? yeah that's what
0: i was going to go to like thinking metabolism your body yeah. eats the fat and you're more likely to lose weight if it's easier for your body to eat the fat and yeah natural occurring fats like ribeye fat is probably easier to break down for sure. your body i would imagine
1: yeah and so and people just this all this misinformation out there like because we're just not educated we're just not educated on the basics of of nutrition and how your your body works again you know, I don't know if PayPal is going to discount my $2,500 or whatever, like <laughs> for saying this, like, I'm not a nutritionist. They backpedaled. They backpedaled. No, they backpedaled. Okay. I'm, I'll check my, my, my account when I get home. I don't have a PayPal account. I'm just kidding. But I'm just, um, so, you know, all this misinformation about nutrition that, um, if people would know, I think our obesity rate rates would, would go back down that and more of a, a, a low time preference lifestyle um would have a massive impact and that's where i think again the beauty of bitcoin is like people understand low time preference right and that's that's such a key fundamental component of living as a human being that if we started to gratify ourselves right now right now right now right now our body breaks down our monetary system breaks down everything starts breaking down and um it's just one of the beauties of, of being in, in at Bitcoin and around folks who, who appreciate the, the values of Bitcoin.
0: Yeah. Once you begin viewing the world through a lens of low time preference, it really does change all these areas. And again, it's easier. It's cheaper too at, the, at some point as well. Again, I'm talking about like lowering your time preference. You eat better food, so you have to eat less. Yeah. You have lower healthcare costs. It's, it's cheaper all around. But again, it's how do we keep driving, keep the momentum up? Because, like we said, on an optimistic tip here, there has been an upswell of positive momentum and it's just trying to build that and keep pushing that snowball down the mountain and make sure it gets a big, big, big enough where most people just take it as common sense. Yeah. yeah, like this is how we should live our life. And
1: can we ultimately get to a place of saying, hey, maybe you don't need three meals a day. Maybe you need two or maybe you need one. So instead of eating crap for three meals a day, why don't you have like, animal protein dense food for one or two meals a day yeah you know like my 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 kind of routine is is i have eggs and bacon every morning i know that's not a beef and so slim might yell at me but like i that lasts me easily all the way through you know the end of the day you know, I don't even think about snacking, none of that stuff, right? You don't, for at least me, if I eat either lots of carbs in the morning or I don't eat in the morning, I, my body wants those carbs throughout the day. And it's like, man, if I can just have some eggs and bacon, like I'm good throughout the day, right? And I can get through without having the snacks. And that's where people get crushed is these super high carb snacks that they eat throughout the day. As they're sitting down. As they're sitting down at their desk. Yeah. I'm like, there is some, some education that needs to happen here. Um, and I also I love how Slim and the Meat Mafia guys, who I'm going to see this week too, um, they're doing awesome work on, on on getting people educated on this yes, stuff. Yes, they
0: are. I think they're actually going to be recording in here at some point. Not on TFTC. Maybe we should have a TFTC episode, but I'm going to be using the studio later this week. But again, like bring this back to healthcare cost. Mm-hmm. That's one thing in the email you sent me on Saturday. Obesity, probably... Accounts for one trillion dollars. Probably annual. Yeah, annually, annually.
1: So our our current healthcare costs are about four trillion. So it's somewhere between six hundred billion and a trillion, depending upon what what uh, assumptions you make. But I think including all the externalities out there, it's easily a trillion. Yeah. You know, it's like I can probably get you easy six to eight hundred billion worth of direct healthcare costs, but you think of some of these other things that. That are happening outside of the healthcare system and to incorporate those costs, it's it's easily a trillion. I think, from my perspective, yeah. where's the world, the mainstream media will say it's under hundred billion, which doesn't make any sense. Like mathematically, you can't get there; <laughs> it's impossible. <laughs> 100,
0: under under a hundred billion. Yeah, they're okay with everybody being fat too. And it's funny because like everybody notices this problem. I mean, you have the the mid drift B roll scenes on like MSNBC and CNBC: obesity's getting out of hand. It's like, what are we going to do to fix it?
1: Well, then you have this, you know, I, I posted something on Twitter the other day. You have these Vogue, right, which has this, I don't know, 400-pound woman on the front. It's and a beauty. And, it's, and, it's, and it really literally says, this is beautiful, right? It's, and just it's objectively like, not true. Which is just objectively not true. It's y- like, yet it's on the front of Vogue or Cosmopolitan, maybe it was Cosmopolitan, but regardless, same thing. Calvin and, Klein, all these people. But it's, it's like,
0: a, is, uh, this shit needs to end because- we are humans. We do have like lizard brains, and the lizard brain in us is naturally repulsed by these images.
1: And, and I, I don't, I don't think. Look, I, I truly believe we need to to share things. We need to share truth, but also kind of in love, in a loving way. And I don't think shaming people is probably the right the right way. But no. it's like educating people to say, "No, this is not good for your body." And and many times, culturally, you know, being overweight is culturally you know beautiful. Um, and, and in fact some of the um, most highest obesity in, is in Pacific Asian countries interestingly where mm-hmm. being obese is considered a a thing of a beauty so it's a cultural it's a cultural thing but they also have the highest heart attacks and you know cancers and, and things like that too um so it just it is really bad for society to glorify obesity in the way that mainstream media currently is is doing
0: yeah it's scary too it's I mean it's, it's just incentivizing complacency and no agency everybody wants to blame I saw I was listening to no agenda a couple weeks ago and they had a clip of it was like somebody trying to say that food shaming is bad and they were saying like there's no such thing as unhealthy food that's a psyop yeah that's ridiculous we should be able to eat whatever we we want since there's no such thing as an ugly body form like there, there, There is no such thing as unhealthy or healthy food. It's what how we feel about ourselves at the end of the day. It's just like, come on,
1: people. Which is too. ridiculous. Yeah. It's ridiculous. You know, and, and kind of go back to like, and I've, I've talked to a lot of doctors about this. Like, everybody points to the United States healthcare system as saying this is a terrible system. And the way we pay for healthcare is terrible. But I'll tell you what, if you have a heart attack, you want to be in the United States. If you have cancer, you want to be in the United States. Like, there are hospitals in New York that have whole floors for people who come from out of country. It's mostly like the Saudi Royal family. Where do they get their healthcare? They come from the United States, right? And so we actually have the best doctors, the best technology. You know, if you get sick in the United States, this is, you. Know, if you get sick, the United States is where you wanna be. Like there's no doubt about that. The, the problem is, is that, um, and so when you see, so when you look at all the outcomes like um, uh, life expectancy, and and some of these other outcomes that you know people want to look at they kind of cherry pick them and most of them are directly related to obesity right and so like we have these awesome doctors awesome technology but if you're 100 pounds overweight they're not magicians like we're, we're, we're dealing with a group of people that are significantly more obese than than other countries across the world and so you can't say it's the system at some point it has to be come down to the personal choices that are being made, whether they're educated or uneducated, you know, whatever. Like, it is it is personal choices that are being made that are, are are having a direct impact on the system. You know, and that's where I think the challenge and personal responsibility comes in. Like, we've, we've got to figure out a way to put better stuff into our bodies. Yeah,
0: agreed. And I mentioned this on Rabbit Hole Recap last week, but Guy Swan uh, was on with Dave Smith and... Uh, on the liberty lockdown podcast and he had this great two minute rant And, and again I, we have fix the money fix the world out here <laughs> or studio but i really do think it is the core of everything he had this great two minute rant and when you like break the money when you break the mechanism that helps you coordinate economic activity and preserve your your work, your value that you that you output into a monetary good. once you perturb that that good and people begin to notice that uh, the people who have control of that good mainly central banks and people connected to uh, the Fed window and, and other windows like it across the world just have this undue advantage where they can if you're a bank you can give a loan out without actually having the money and then put yeah. an interest rate on that and actually make money from nothing just because you have access to the ability to give that loan out in the first place, you eventually, as time goes on and it becomes more and more obvious that this is the way the world works, you have a nihilistic world where people are like, all right, why, why, should, I, why should I go out there and, and try to make my life better? Why should I go out there and try to be a productive member of society? It is obviously and very blatantly constructed in a way where people have an advantage that I'll never be able to attain because I, because I don't have access to the money spigot like these people. So why even go out there and do anything? And then that leads to why should I eat? Well, who cares?
1: Yeah. They're not paying for the costs of that. You would think the incentive, right? Again, it's, it's unfortunately, the high time preference, you know, society we live in, like you'd think enough of the incentive would be like, I, I want to live well when I'm in my seventies, eighties and beyond. You know so let's take care of myself now
0: especially if, if you have this romantic vision of like retirement when you retire right, exactly. then you go travel the world or something like that
1: hey, well and, and even for folks in who are you know l- lower income i mean i think you know families culturally families are really important grandkids and things like that like i want to be able to run around in the backyard with my grandkids so i should take care of my body now so that i can do that in three or four decades or you know whatever But it's not, for some reason it's not, it's not a big enough incentive for, you know, the vast majority of Americans. And so, and there's no monetary incentive to take care of yourself either because somebody else is paying for it. And in fact, it's the opposite of that, which is we all think we're getting screwed by our health system because we're putting in way too much and not getting anything out of it. So when we do have a healthcare event, we try to suck as much out of it as possible. And so, you know, the incentives of of the healthcare system currently through health insurance just suck you know it's just it's, it's just it's totally perverse um and so we've, we've got it you know it's what again we're not to focus on too much in crowd health but like that's what we're trying to do is like the bitcoiners like you're you're part of a bitcoin community sharing expenses with each other like if you try to suck out as much you know of the economics possible you're just screwing marty and you're screwing andy and you're screwing you know all these people who are bitcoiners and are a part of it and so there's an incentive you know not to should try to extract as much out of the, out of the system and to actually, you know, sh- shop, you know, to do some consumerism. And, and so that's, what's massively, um, been hugely successful and in, in the way we're, we're, we're doing this.
0: Yeah. I mean, let's talk about crowd health. How have things progressed since may when you, when yeah. you last came on the show, oh, man,
1: I think when we came on, I forgot exactly what the number was, but it was a few hundred people or something that had signed up <laughs> before my, your podcast in May. I mean, maybe it was 500 or something. And you know, we're in the thousands now, so we're you know a five x um, growth since we talked to you last, something like that, four or five x. Um, so it's been it's been inc- it's been really incredible. Um, and you know, right now, of the money that people have put in, um, about seventy percent still sitting in that account. You know, so we're we're different than health insurance, where we're actually we have an account for you at Crowd Health. You put money into an account. And then if somebody in the community has a health event then we will ask you to contribute to that and if you know we don't use the money in the account it's yours it's your money so um you know marty and his wife and a couple kids are you know signed up and so you know you guys have an account at crowd health if you were to leave today i don't know how much you'd have in there but it's probably you know a thousand or two thousand bucks that you get to take with you because it's it's your money in your account um and so i think people are starting to treat it like their money yeah. As opposed to somebody else's money, and that's what we're trying to do is be like, this is your money, you know, like treat it as such, not just into this black hole of of health insurance. Um, and well, that's
0: so, that's been like the biggest value prop for me. That's like one thing I have always hated about health insurance. Like I pay this, I'm like, where is it going? Yeah, I don't even know when I'm getting it
1: back. Yeah, and you you don't really ever get it back. Especially if and you're a in a community time. of people who are more personally responsible. You know, the obesity rate is way, 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 lower, you know? And in fact, it's going to get lower after this year because we're bringing down actually our our weight limits. Um, So you you don't have that obesity cost that you would with the general population. Our people are in their mid-30s, so they're not having, you know, significant illnesses. Um, It's a lot of, you know, active injuries. We get ACL tears and, you know, those types of things, which Mm -hmm. in the grand scheme of things are not that expensive. So it's it's a great community to be a part of. And, and they actually, since there's an affinity of Bitcoiners, there is a change in behavior that, like I said, you're not going to try to suck out as much as you can. You're actually going to want to take care of, of, of the community. So at scale, let's imagine
0: a world in which crowd health is widely, wildly successful. Yeah. Since it's a cheaper option and you have more control over your money, do you see this type of healthcare, um, healthcare company incentivizing people to be healthier because they're like hey this is like an obvious route to cheaper healthcare costs for me like i'm gonna go work out get my bmi below the threshold so that can join crowd health yeah and we've
1: had people do it already really yeah like they were above the bmi we said come back when you are above the weight limit it's going to be bmi soon but um you know come back to us and they've actually came back and said i lost weight um can i be a part of the community now yeah you can and by the way you know more if you have type two diabetes, more than likely you're overweight. If you lose weight, it's something like 70% of those, that diabetes goes away. Like it's gone.
0: You, that that's another misconception. Like you can actually cure that. You can cure diabetes
1: type two, right? Type one is not there yet, but type two and the difference is generally I'm, I'm being very general here, but like type one is typically a genetic thing. Typically you're born with it. Type two is a result of lifestyle. So you are eating way too much sugar, carbs, and ultimately what happens is that the, you know, you become insulin resistant, meaning all the insulin that your body's, you know, pumping into your your bloodstream, it doesn't have as great of an impact as it did with people who don't have as much, right? Um, And so you can cure type two diabetes in, in the vast majority of cases if you just lose weight. And so that's one of the most expensive chronic conditions out there, you know, because this insulin is, you know, oftentimes a thousand two thousand dollars a month something like that um the health plan will pay a thousand or two thousand bucks a month depending on what you're on um and so if you can get rid of that you lose weight your healthcare costs plummet yeah plummet by just eating healthier which is ultimately just you know getting car ridding your your body of of carbs it seems so simple it is so simple it actually is very simple it's uh it's look in the back of the box, see how many carbohydrates are in it. And if it's, you know, more than a couple grams, don't eat it, Stay it's, away. That, it's, that, it's that simple. Stay I away mean, from sugars. again, I'm not a nutritionist, so don't sue me somebody from, for nutrition advice, but like, that's what I've done. And I, I was 220, so me and my wife got married 10 years ago, almost 10 years ago, I was 220, um, like, I think it was like six months before I got married. And so i went on something called whole 30 some of you may have heard of this but it's basically like rip the carbs out of your diet and over three months man i lost uh, like 34 pounds or something <laughs> like that over over three months and that's I looked, how quickly it can happen. and, I looked, and it's how quickly it can happen like you just take the carbs out and ultimately what your body says is okay i don't have carbs anymore to to to, to use for for uh, energy so i have to use something else and so the, it uses the fat, so it starts breaking down the fat to use as energy. And it called, it's called ketosis, it's the keto diet, that's where it comes from. And you know you will lose fat super fast if you get rid of carbs. Yeah. And you feel, and it, candidly, you feel like crap for like day three to nine, because your body is sitting there being like, give me carbs, give me carbs, give me carbs. If you don't give it carbs, it then ultimately switches over to, to burning fat. And It works beautifully. Is that the keto flu? That people. It's talk the about? keto flu. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. if you work out during those days too, you just feel like your your workout sucks, and it's and it's yeah, it's, it's not that great for four or five days. But like, it's it, it's a similar addiction. Your body is addicted to carbohydrates. You know that you had talked about. You know, in your last one, like we're addicted to drugs or alcohol or whatever it may be. Like you are, we are, our bodies are addicted to carbohydrates. Yeah. Yeah. And so get off them.
0: And like we said earlier, like you eat it during the day or eat heavy carbs during the morning, like your body has like an immediate feedback loop. It's like, oh, more, more, more. And that's what, Yeah.
1: We grew up saying like, have lots of orange juice. No, don't have lots of orange juice. Yeah. Like it is loaded with sugar.
0: <laughs> that is, the, uh And, and again, I, it, was, it was sold to us <laughs> as healthy. Like I thought drinking a glass of orange juice with my... Yeah, with my cereal with my lucky charms was a healthy
1: even if it's no sugar added like all that is still sugar it's still sugar like don't eat it Like don't eat tons of fruits like just don't i don't we don't i don't i don't eat any fruit no fruit no 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 oranges no apples no no bananas like that stuff is just stacked with sugar yeah, yeah. and you can get the vast majority of what you need in nutrients from eating animal proteins From eating a steak the
0: cows eat the eat vegetables for you
1: yeah, I, I mean, it's, it there. it's really simple. Like, cut the carbs out of you. And you can have really great stuff. Like, I eat cheese. I love cheese. I love cheese, too. I, I, I eat, you know, steak almost every day. You know, some kind of beef protein every day. You know, eggs and bacon and stuff. Like, it's great. And I lose lo- lots of weight. And, you know, people are going to respond to this snake, Oh, well, you have really high cholesterol. Well, that's that's a genetic thing. It has nothing to do with what I'm eating, from True. my perspective.
0: True, I have high LDL, but it's a good LDL.
1: It's a good LDL. Yeah. It's, it's, i don't have you know the apob lp little a go look it up I'm, I'll, i promise you'll see really interesting studies out there that says those are the two sub facets cholesterol that actually matter it's not just generally high cholesterol
0: yeah and it, it's so fascinating when you think about it like if again maybe a pipe dream but let's imagine that this becomes a growing trend people begin to take care of their health and take their diet seriously and lower their individual health care costs which in aggregate, lowers everybody's health care costs. Like, and this is what Slim ta- and I talked about last week, but in the context of deconstructing the supermarket and, like, where would all the capital allocated to producing that poison? What Like, what would that do to benefit the economy? Now, think about it. With the health care costs, if we all lower our health care costs, what can we then do with that cap? Like, what good can we do now that we don't have to focus on getting people insulin or dealing with heart conditions that arise from obesity like where can we begin to allocate capital to actually better society overall instead yeah. of like being bogged down by this anchor of healthcare costs that we're yeah. forced to pay
1: well i'll tell you one place like our medicare and medicaid costs go down you just said it was 1.5 trillion yeah right yeah, um, i looked at the us debt clock right before and and on. so you know maybe we can stop printing money if we can actually get our healthcare costs down <laughs> right right like maybe maybe that's a good start because <laughs> what
0: what are tax revenues like two to four trillion depending on what the economy is. I don't doing. know if
1: you know what it is but I know there were a, tr- a trillion in the negative on the on the budget
0: yeah I mean like one 1.475 1. 1.5 trillion going straight to Medicaid which only yeah pays for people 65 and older <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's 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 Medicaid Medicare so it's the 65 and older folks and then the poor. Like that's yeah. 1.5 trillion. Yeah. And I'm not saying that goes to zero, right? Clearly not. But like if you could cut that down even by, you know, 30 or 40%, you would have m- w- way less money being, you know, and then cut down the military a little bit. We won't go there, but like, you know, there's there's it, a know. much much easier path to get to to, you know, break even where we could stop printing money. Yeah. To pay for all of our our debts
0: all of our entitlements
1: yeah yeah exactly so it's, i mean it's it, that's why it's health care food and money you know are this like triangle of like they all impact each other and if we could get these these things these three things figured out i think we could you know flourish as a as a country as opposed to being what 31 trillion dollars of debt or something is that the last last number i saw
0: 31 trillion
1: through 31, 31 trillion
0: and and people call us fat do you like being the fat country Do you like having people around the world point at us and laugh at us because we're all fat it's embarrassing
1: there's this uh have you ever seen the factory on netflix i think so so there's this uh documentary about an uh a chinese uh company coming in oh i have not seen it and taking over a dayton ohio uh gm factory i think and they're now they're making windshields and so it's this whole thing and one of the it's i mean it's, it's a hilarious part of the movie where i think five or ten of these you know leaders from this plant Americans go over to China and they're throwing this big party for them like welcome to the family you know yada 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 and so there must have been two or three hundred four hundred Chinese people there and and these five or ten Americans and it's like they walk in and all these Chinese people are like in nice fitting slim suits and things and it's the Americans who you know the rolls are coming over the side the bellies are over the front i mean it's literally you know if there's 10 people there seven or eight whatever it was seven for seven or eight for eight or whatever like overweight americans walking into this you know chinese you know company and you're like what the hell like i think people come here and we're like what are you guys doing (laughs) right Right? like 40 percent of you are obese i I can't imagine i I i'd I was talking to 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 Leah, um Halpern um, the other day, and she's like, "Yeah, I came over from the UK, and I'm looking around. I'm like, and I live in Miami. Wh- what the hell is going on here? Like, why are these people so overweight? It's not
0: normal. It's not normal. Again, it's objectively, it's it's re- like I don't want to use the word repulsive, but it, it, it if you're not jaded by it because you're surrounded by it day in and day out, like we are as American citizens, it is a bit jarring to come and see the like did. I mean, like, the Wally meme of, like, like, eventually, American society will get so fat that they'll just be running around in, like, floating chairs so, that, so they don't have to move at all. Like, we're headed down that. And as a society, we should be a bit introspective and say, this is not right, this is not what we should want, but this is obviously where we're going. Like, there needs to be. Like, that, again, like, going back to, like, COVID, like, COVID's, like, the biggest, I mean, the biggest thing you know, the disease that hit the world uh, in the, in a century since the Spanish flu. And then if you look at it, like, most people who died were obese, overweight, elderly, combination of the yeah, two. Yeah, totally. And still, to this day, the combination has not come to, oh, most of the people that died from this were significantly obese, severely obese, or had pre-existing conditions. Like, maybe we should begin to focus on that. It's like, no, get, get your seventh shot. And you'll be fine yeah it's not ridiculous like let's, let's let's take care of the uh the underlying issue here which is we are way too fat
1: well the other the other part of misinformation is if you work out you're okay right and it's like look working out is a terrible manager of weight you know like you you can go and work out for an hour and burn six or 700 calories right something like that um then you can go eat five potatoes for and then zero you can, points. And, and if you can eat five potatoes for zero points and it's gone. Like the the imp- at least the weight management impact of that is is gone. Right. And so people think that they can eat whatever they want and then they go, Oh, I I'm going to work out. It's like it doesn't work that way. <laughs> like it is it is hard to outwork the chef, I think is is what they they say. You you just can't do it unless you change what you're putting in your body, even if you work out, there's not going to be a drastic change to your to your weight. No. Like, work out for all the other stuff. The cardiovascular, the metabolic, like, those have all huge benefits. And so, you know, back to the being optimistic. If you work out, if you, you know, are not obese and you don't smoke, that's the other one that kind of crushes you, the probability of you having a chronic condition is, is great. The probability of you being able to take care of your grandkids and run around the backyard with your grandkids is great. The probability of you being able to travel the world is great. Like, let's look at those benefits and let's work towards that right so it's like if you're listening and you are obese like man grandkids retirement you know like shit, having great you know sex with your wife or whatever like all these things like are benefiting from you like getting getting your body back to where it needs to be and so especially bitcoiners like take personal responsibility of your health and look there's a people will i know i'm gonna get a response to this being like well i'm there's a genetic um component to this and there actually is a genetic component to this but you know what back in 1970 um 15 percent of the population was was obese now we're at 40 the genetics have not changed right what we have put in our body have changed and so if you change what you put in your body you can change the 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 composition of of your your body
0: yeah well that's i mean i think that's becoming more clear i mean there's a bunch of studies coming out that prove that things like high fructose corn syrup and seed oils do affect your genes. So it's like they change your DNA throughout the, I believe I've read studies like this that change your DNA as you continue to eat them more and more. Like re-architects the, um, the composure of your, of your genetics over time. So it's like injects yeah. all the shit into it.
1: Well, you see the correlation of, of um, you know obesity and cancers too right you know and I, I don't know if it's they're directly correlated but I, I mean or, or they're cause and effect but I do believe that the crap that we're putting into our bodies is impacting the you know astronomic rise in cancer cases over the last 30 or 40 years you know so you look at cancer cases since 1970 it's like a hockey stick it just goes, yeah. through the roof and it's like okay so how is that oh you know the 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 air people want to say it's what we breathe and maybe that is partially it but what I breathe versus what I actually intake into my body via food and all the crap that we put into our body. You can't, you can't in one breath say it's what we breathe. And in another, it says, Oh, it doesn't matter what we put into our body. Like that just doesn't make any <laughs> logical sense. No. Right. Just Cause
0: you can't see what you
1: breathe. doesn't mean. And so I, I love the fact that Slim's like, Hey, buy your meat from a local producer it's not going through the 22 different steps in the chain you're getting it from that guy you know what he's you know what they're feeding him it's not all this fertilizer crap out there and so you know do that if you can if you can't go to the grocery store stay on the outside of the grocery stores for the vast majority of your stuff um and, and it goes that'll go a long way a long yeah. way yeah I mean I'm just thinking
0: of when we go to Whole Foods you just hug the corner and it makes it much easier when you don't have to like go into the middle, and like go through the maze. It's just easy. All right, vegetables. What are we cooking?
1: All right, steak, cheese. Yeah. Big cheese plate people, too. Yeah. So, so are we. Yeah. So are we. I mean, well, if you think about it, the middle, is Cheerios, like it's, yeah. it's the snack aisle, it's the pasta aisle, right? I mean, it's all this crap aisle. The only thing why is I go in the middle is olive oil. Like I'll get my olive oil, which is kind of in the middle there, right? Your oils. Yeah. Um, yeah,
0: we'll but get uh, whole peeled tomatoes
1: in the middle as well. The frozen s- freezer section or whatever, which is ice cream and all that kind of stuff, which is, man, I'll tell you what, like, you know, back to our last meal, um, you know, I, the ice cream is on that last meal. A blackberry cobbler from Salt Lick with a thing of ice cream on top would be awesome this Is my last last meal. It's a, <laughs> it's a good way to go out. It's a good way to go out. Yeah. No, that's... And I'm I'm not being I'm not being like a zealot here. It's like, like man, I, I I love my you know blackberry yeah, cobbler back to like from Salt Lake. Preference
0: and self control, like.
1: it, but and and you have that once in a while, and that's fine. If you go and have it every single day, like it just doesn't work. Yeah. It just doesn't work. So go and enjoy it. You know, I I drink once a week. It's on Saturdays. Like that's just my thing. Like you know, it's like I if I don't, I would come home and I have a bourbon every night because I love bourbon. Right, and so like just do it on Saturday's, or if you want to, you know, have a have a di- cool, great, you know, dessert. Have it once a week, and yeah. just have that as like your thing that you're focused on. You're yeah, just don't do it every day.
0: No, everything in moderation, freaks.
1: It's, Except uh, Bitcoin, but just buy lots and lots of Bitcoin.
0: Stay humble. <laughs> <laughs> I gotta stay humble. But huh? no, speaking of this, another thing we wanted to talk about. So obviously, you're building. Crowd health, and we're talking about these ideas. Like a lot of these ideas, not to us, but to many out there, would seem taboo. Oh, you guys are spreading misinformation! But not only you don't have to only deal with that building crowd health. You are building a business in a highly regulated yeah. industry, um, which we both agreed would be an interesting context to bring the audience, which is a lot of bitcoiners, many of which are building businesses in another highly regulated mm-hmm. regulated industry, and so. What's that experience been like? Uh, interacting with this administrative, bureaucratic layer of the healthcare system.
1: There's this kind of um, category of entrepreneurship, um, you know, call, called called kind of regulatory entrepreneurship. And there's been a bunch of companies that we all know that have gone down these paths. You know, Uber. You know, there was a what is it, Netflix or Amazon Prime or whatever that uh, there's a series on on Uber in the first. You know whole season of that was just him railing against the local you know taxi cab medallion uh, issuers yeah exactly right and and he went and he's like man you know screw it I'm just going to go after him and and we'll see you know what we have to go through we've taken a little bit more of a you know a structured approach to this which is you know all these departments of insurance throughout the country there's one per state you know and and they are if you sell direct to the consumer they're the ones that regulate this and so you know we have built our system so that we never touch your money so when you you know make your your contribution to to crowd health it goes you know directly into an account that you know is not owned by us it's it's yours Um, we don't even touch it you know we take our subscription fee out of it but we don't we don't even touch the money that, that that you have, right? So we, we're doing all of these things to um, structure it so that the regulatory agencies look at us and they're like, you know, you guys are definitely not insurance because if we're insurance, then they can regulate us. And if they regulate us, the entire thing falls apart. And so we've, we've been very, very careful in structuring this in a way, and it's just about being curious, like what are the rules? What are the laws? You know a big part of the law and this is what freaks most people out when they join crowd health is you don't transfer risk from marty's family to crowd health like you're still responsible for your bill we're helping you fund it and we've done really nice job of helping people fund it i think we've had 1200 different bills thus far and we've been able to fund every single bill whereas people go to an insurance company they say oh well i my risk is you know if i have a health event my risk is transferred to the health insurance company And so I don't have to worry about it. Well, the problem is that the insurance company, you know, one out of every five times will say, nope, we're not paying that one. So you have to pay it. And that's where I got screwed. Mm -hmm. Right. And so it's all this perception of risk. Whereas you actually look at the data, health plans pay, you know, way far less, you know, in terms of of claims, than we're able to crowdfund for. So actually crowdfunding for these healthcare expenses is way more efficient and effective than going through a big health insurance company and have them decide you know, what they're gonna pay and what they're not gonna pay. It's way more effective and it's still cheaper too. It's, it's way cheaper, it's way cheaper. Because we're going to doctors and saying, hey, if our member pays you in cash, how do you feel about that? And the doctor's like, we love it. And, and so much so that we'll give you 30, 40, sometimes 50% reductions versus what they're going to get paid by the health plan because they don't have all the administrative costs associated with that. So it's you know 30 or 40% of administrative costs. Doctors spend about 30% of their time dealing with health insurance plans. So not only it's a money issue, right? it's somebody sitting on your shoulder and saying, this is how you need to do your job. Right? imagine like sitting at your desk or you know you're sitting right here and somebody's sitting back for you and say Marty don't ask that question ask this question you're not allowed to ask that question and you're like you're like shut the hell up dude like you know I I've, I've been trained to do this this is this is my god-given skill you know some you know anesthesiologist is sitting behind me telling me how I should practice my cardiology practice you know and this person is a health insurance company saying you can't do that you can't do that right and so it is just a it's a drain on some of these doctors and they're like dude if I can get away from health insurance companies I will give you significant discounts to what I'm charging them because I'm charging them basically to deal with their BS so you guys say them time and money time and money and time for them is w- way more important oftentimes than the actual payment Right? Imagine if a doctor is like, goes from 70% of his time being spent on patients to 100% of his time. Like he actually gets a, almost a 50% step up in the, the the money he can make because he now has the time. He doesn't have to deal with health insurance plans. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, they, they love it. Our biggest fans are doctors. I think it's something like 10% of our customers or our members are doctors or are nurses, doctors or nurses. I think it's medical professionals is the way we do, we do that.
0: Yeah. And so when, I'm just curious now just seeing the mechanics of this when a bill is crowdfunded by the crowd health community mm-hmm. obviously you have the individual who is having the health event pays the first five hundred dollars and then let's say it's a yeah. five thousand dollar bill you get uh nine others to put up 500 bucks on the doctor's end do they see like 10 different transactions one one
1: yeah okay. because what happens is, is we all have accounts and so let's just say you know marty has a health event that needs five thousand dollars we'll crowdfund the five hundred five thousand dollars it'll go into Marty's account and uh, then it'll then, it'll yep. go directly from Marty's account to the, the the doctor yeah yeah okay and so we have third parties kind of helping with all of those components yeah, explained so that, that before I've but you don't afraid. you don't have to deal with that nor does the doctor get you know a bunch of you know checks yeah um so we make it super easy on on both the members and the doctors yeah here's the thing is that, you know somebody was telling me about this before a few few weeks ago and I never th- thought about it. Healthcare has been built as a business to business industry, right? It's between health plans and hospital systems. And the consumer isn't a part of that, right? So this consumer just has to come along for the ride. Like what if you could build a healthcare company where the consumer was in control? Like, it was consumer oriented, mm-hmm. you know? And so um, I'll give you this one of these examples is, uh, so I, go, I, I have a virtual dr- primary care doc I talk to him on my phone, five minutes, that's all I need. He's like, we're gonna get you labs. Perfect, gone. You know, he sends me a doctor order for labs, which I then send to Crowd Health. Then within three hours, I have something where I can go to any of these, you know, in my situation, lab cores in towns, there's like eight of them in Austin. Um, I go, I show him my phone that goes beep. You know, it has all my information. I get my, you know, blood drawn. A day later, that lab comes directly to me. It tells me which ones are high, which ones are low. Um, then I can jump back on the virtual again, five minutes with my direct primary care doctor. And he's like, let's talk about these, you know, and he's like, okay, well, your cholesterol is high. So then I jump over to a, uh, uh crowd health also offers like a specialty virtual care or will in the next month. And I can talk to like the leader in lipids, which is cholesterol, basically cholesterol. I can talk to the leader in that. And all that costs me nothing. It costs me nothing because all of this stuff is a part of my crowd health membership. Like, that's how you and I, guys in our 30s and our 40s, right, want to deal with healthcare. Like, I don't want to walk into a clinic. No. I want to talk to somebody on the phone and please don't call me, like, text me, or if I set up a time with you that works for my schedule that we can talk, let's do that, right? Yeah,
0: this is, I mean, just plainly better UX. It's just better
1: UX. And look, you know, if if anybody's a member of crowd, it ain't perfect yet, we're a year in, like, but it is getting better and better and better and better. So that um we're trying to make all of this just like super frictionless. So it's just easy as possible for you to do that. It's at some point soon we're gonna have somebody so you don't even have to go to a lab. The lab will come to you. Like a phlebotomist oh, really? will come to you. Well, could you literally sit here in this, you know, this studio and take your blood, we'll take it back, and then you'll get an email uh, you know, twenty four hours later with the results. Like that is where we ultimately wanna go.
0: You don't have to go to some sanitized room with crazy uh no you can do it literally lights. right here
1: like a full bottomist comes and it costs like you know us you know the community like 50 bucks more but it's like if i can get more people you know getting their data um on you know what's going on in their body like that's good for everybody
0: and like, as an individual if i could save two hours i would like to think my two hours of my time is worth more than 50 bucks. a hell of a lot
1: more than 50 bucks yeah right i mean it's that's the system that we're trying to build so you know, folks who who are part of Crowd Health, you know, over Andy on Twitter, like DM me if there's like some friction that you're seeing in the system. Like, I am like anal about getting the friction out of the system. Yeah. So we're working on it. You know, it's not perfect yet. If I had a hundred thousand members, you know, I'd have a lot more scale so that I could go do and get better deals with some of these you know third party vendors to stitch all this stuff together. So you know, if like half of your audience would just sign up, I'd be we'd be there.
0: What do you think? Of- <laughs> pre-excuse the code TFTC. TFTC. slash TFTC. TFTC. $99 for six months. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's the thing, like scale. So think about scaling this. Like, how do we get there? What is the most common apprehension you come across? when people are like, yeah, I'm thinking about it, but it's just too much for me.
1: Oh, you know, not for cost, but like, you guys are only, you know, a year and a half in. What if I had a really big bill? What would happen? You know, am I going to get stuck with the cost? All these kinds of things, which I get. I mean, I get that, right? But, um, would you prefer to have a big cost with a health insurance plan that may or may not pay for your your healthier event? The other thing is, is, you know, if we're in our 30s and 40s, it's something like there's a one in 200 chance that we're going to have a bill, we're going to spend more than $25,000 of healthcare this year, like one out of 200. So the probability that you have something really, really big, and that's 25,000, it's like half a percent, half a percent. If it's over 100,000, it's you know, 0.1% or I don't know what it is. It's something super, super low. So you're worrying about probabilities (laughs) that probably aren't going to happen. Um, And so, and and if they do happen, you can go to a health insurance plan, which, you know, right now it's about 20%, 18% chance that they don't pay it versus crowd health, which is there's a probability that we're not gonna pay it too, but we've done a hell of a lot better than health insurance plans, Mm -hmm. right? And so the big event, is what people are worried about. We have two cancer cases right now, like a colon cancer and a and a um, ovarian cancer, um, and the bills are getting paid. and And the be- the benefit of this is we're we're paying them, you know, at a rate that's like sixty percent lower than what health plans would pay them, right? So you know, a, a cancer case with a health plan would be a million or two million bucks. It'll probably be like three or four hundred thousand dollars, you Damn. know, for our for our member, which we will help them crowdfund. And yeah. the probability of that we think is high. I can't guarantee it or else, you know, the the insurance commissioners come all over me. Like the risk is still yours, it's still your bill, but we've done a damn good job of of helping you, you know, crowdfund that. And so that cha- change of mindset is a really big change for people. Like they're like, wait, hold on a second. A company isn't responsible for it. I'm responsible for it for myself. And Bitcoiners get it like, yeah, I wanna be responsible for my own bill because I'm gonna get make sure it gets paid. You yeah. know and well, so
0: and i'm gonna make sure i am getting the best deal and
1: i'm making sure, gonna make sure i get the best
0: deal. that was the one thing that blew my mind about the first time we sat down is that when you go into the hospital or the doctors and you sign these release forms there's like part of it where it's like you're not allowed to negotiate prices like yeah. i've always just unknowingly signed ro- away the rights to not negotiate and i didn't even know that it was possible like it's insane yeah that i would argue 99 of people don't Probably even more, yeah. Don't realize that these things can be negotiated.
1: It, 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 all of them can be negotiated. Just don't sign away your life when you when you sign into your doctor's office. So there's these you know five or six pages of stuff where you just like sign it. You don't even worry about it, right? Like it's the terms of service, and anytime you sign up for a new service online or whatever, like you're like, yeah. there's no way in hell I'm gonna read twenty pages of legal docs. Um, you just sign it, and one of them says. I, I accept full responsibility for whatever you charge me. That's what one of those those pieces of paper says. And so you need to strike through it and say, you know, I'll pay reasonable costs and that then gives you the ability to do that. And if it's electronic, then ask for the electronic the non-electronic version. If they don't do it and you can still sign it, then you can go to court and we'll help you do this and say they they made me sign under duress. Like they wouldn't give me any opportunity to to, to negotiate with them. Yeah so and, and and it works so we will stand up for you if the system tries to to take you um and the other thing too is i saw a stat the other day 80 percent of healthcare bills are wrong
0: <laughs> what do you mean
1: how like if you get a if you get a bill from the from the er 80 percent of those bills have an error in them i talked to a person uh, a friend of mine from from business school and she said she had a uh, a midwife a uh, you know, help them give birth to their uh, oldest daughter, and when she went back to to look at the bills, it was all billed as a doctor, not a midwife, and so that's like three x. <laughs> they build the insurance plan three x versus what the actual service was. And this is this just the hospital or
0: the doctor? banking on people not looking into it
1: they're banking on people not looking so they upcode all these things so you go into the ER and they will make an assessment of you and they assign a level of emergency basically a level of acuity and so that what they will do is they will upcode it so that they get more money um from that the insurance. from the insurance companies I mean it's a whole scam and all those by the way when you're part of crowd health like this is one of the services we provide if you go to the ER. You upload all of those bills. We'll take a look at them. We'll take a look at all the CPT codes, which is the codes that that the hospitals use to bill. We'll make sure they're right, you know, and we'll, we'll do all that for you. So most of the time we'll be able to go back to the hospitals. Like what the hell is a CPT code? You know, um, I I went back and actually looked at my bill for my daughter who had this ear infection, um, tubes in her ears. We were literally there for 15 minutes and they charged us for an inpatient procedure. And inpatient procedures mean you stay overnight we were there for 15 minutes <laughs> right and yeah. so like but you and i without any you know healthcare knowledge would just look at it and be like all right whatever like you know they're there for it. they are exploiting our ignorance about what goes on in a super complex system which none of us should be expected to understand so we are your ally to help you through you know, look at all those charges and be like, is this even right? You know? Health plans oftentimes they just overlook it. You know, because there's a cahoot there's cahoots between during cahoots, you know, hospital systems and, and and health insurance plans.
0: Yeah. No, I really like this concept of changing healthcare from business to consumer model. And again it all comes back like what like we've been discussing this whole time that we've we've been sitting in these chairs. It comes back to personal responsibility. Like and there's this complacency out there whether it be taking care of your own health and ensuring that you don't become unhealthy to increase your health care costs over over your lifetime or simply like caring about what you're actually paying for people again don't want to take the time and in, in in their i mean to argue in their favor like yeah like reading all these contracts like again like you mentioned it's like a terms of service yeah. like i'm not going to read this like how can we make it as simple as possible so people understand the trade-offs? Yeah, and aren't as ignorant as the hospitals are, depending on them to be. Like, think about the price inflation just there, just from upcharging. Think like,
1: it's huge. I mean, the uh, healthcare. Eighty percent. Healthcare, eighty percent. I mean, it's, it's it's you go go look at it. If you're reading, go look at go, go Google right now. Like this what could... what percentage of bills, medical bills, are incorrect? I guarantee you, it'll come up from somewhere between seventy-five and eighty-five percent
0: this gets back to like this I mean there's just some pervasive sickness in our society like people again ignorant complacent whatever you want to say but they do have this idea that doctors have their best interests at heart that they're there to help with their health and that they want to take care of them people went into this profession because they want to help humanity and as soon as this administrative regulatory business apparatus got thrust on top of it it completely dehumanizes the end consumer at the end of the table totally. it's just like how can we get as much money I don't really obviously i think the individual doctors a lot of them many of them probably most of them do care about helping people and making sure that people are okay but then again the system has been corrupted by this bureaucratic bullshit that's been injected to it It's yeah. okay it's upcharged
1: that's what i say it's you know i think the docs by and far are incredible human beings that truly just want to you know promote humanity and and, and health right um, but they just get bogged down by the system that just wears them out I mean, you see post-pandemic too, right? Like the system just wore them out. And so we have more doctors retiring now than ever ever before. And so there's gonna be a, a huge doctor shortage over the next decade because of, of what we're seeing in, in the healthcare system. And the number one reason if you go and look at surveys, it's health insurance. It's the ad, admin that they have to do. Really? Like, this is crushing them, yeah. Um, and so look, we, really, we relieve them of all of that. Instead of having this, you know, have a huge billing department or they have one or two, sometimes three billers per doctor, just a bill. I hand them a, you know, a, a, a visa, you know, debit card. That's, you know, a percent and a half or something like that of transaction costs. You know, ultimately it'd be awesome to do it over, you know, lightning or something where it's like yeah. pennies. Um, and so we're moving that direction, but it'll take us a, a little bit. but. I mean, there are so many incentives for these doctors to to love what we we do, and we're huge supporters of of the doc. So I don't want this to become any anti-doc because they do an awesome job. Ninety-nine percent of them, we have some bad actors. It's mostly MBAs, and this is talking from somebody who has an MBA. It's mostly our fault. It's the administrative BS that that we put through doctor doctors through.
0: The Harvard Business Review class coming in. <laughs> it's fucking everything up. It, uh, yeah, like. The, speaking about implementing Bitcoin into this, right? Like, I mean, that's what one thing I've been pitching to the freaks about crowd health, especially with the Bitcoin community. Yeah. Like, you put a portion into cash and then a portion into Bitcoin. And if you believe that Bitcoin is going to do what it has done, historically, you're speculative attacking your future healthcare costs. Because if you pay right now and you don't spend all the money in your, your health account, uh, and a part of that's in Bitcoin, you pay a hundred dollars today worth in Bitcoin, today's a yeah. hundred dollars can be worth a thousand a year from now. And
1: I think it changes behavior, yeah. right? We, we, we the way that we work is a part, like it, you said, part of the money stays in fiat and then, you know, 75% goes and, and gets converted to Bitcoin. And so we want you to be able to use that fiat for liquidity instead of having to go and sell your Bitcoin. So right? If we have some event, if we say, hey, you have to either sell more Bitcoin or if you have to put more fiat in, And so i I actually think that creates a really interesting component to this affinity group because they're like i'm going to act differently knowing that if i consume healthcare in an unreasonable fashion then people are gonna have to sell their bitcoin and none of us bitcoiners want people to sell bitcoin right and so I'll, i'll give you a real real lifetime thing for me back to my labs right there's a lab literally like a half a mile from my from my house I went and I priced it out for the labs that the doc wanted me to do is four hundred and thirty one dollars. Right. If I walked in, four hundred and thirty one bucks. And I was like, man, man, I'll just it's so easy. Like, I'll just go do that. Crowd health will pay for it. You know, and I was like, you know what? Like as a good, responsible member of Crowd Health, and by the way, the CEO, I probably should see what the crowd health rate is. Right. So I go and I I send my lab to Crowd Health and within literally I think it was like two hours, they came back and said it'd be forty four bucks. Huh. So 10%. so 10% of what I would have paid if I went to that local lab. And by the way, that health plan, we just, we priced it out. If the health plan would have done it, it would have been $731. So we got labs. This is a full 10, 10 different labs, you know, metabolic liver, kidney, lipids, everything, like everything you'd want 44 bucks. And it's like, that's just behavior change from, from you know, me, the CEO, where. I, sh- I should have some behavior change, right? But like, that's the behavior change that we need to see in in healthcare. And it took me an extra fifteen minutes, right, to do that. And yeah. but I say, but I saved the community, you know, I saved myself, you know, four hundred bucks. Yeah, more. Yeah, about four hundred bucks for fifteen minutes. It's that's that's a good uh, it's a
0: good return on a time investment right there. And
1: the good thing is, is all I have to do is you know well I have a care advocate internally at crowd health like for me you do too so your family Mm -hmm. has Jasmine you know all you have to do is like text Jasmine where's a great place to get a lab yeah you know she's like here it is and she'll send you a little little voucher on your phone That all you have to do is show up and go Bing and they got all the information they need you walk right in yeah like that's that easy it's great UX again right it's it's we're trying so it's we're trying to make it super easy to make really good good decisions on your on your healthcare expenses, and I think the Bitcoiners will be incentivized to do that because they don't they don't want people to sell their Bitcoin. No, so that's why we built that affinity group, and and yeah. so um, soon Bitcoiners will only be sharing with Bitcoiners. Will be super super cool. Yeah. If yeah again T- like, TFTC JointCrowdHealth dot Sorry, <laughs> first six months,
0: but no, it's again, it's such a massive problem and people again have been set in their ways with health care i mean that's been one of the biggest memes of the last decade and a half is like free health care is it really free no. no
1: we're paying for it and so anybody who's getting health care through their employer they're like oh my health care my employer's paying for it i was like no dude you're paying for it yeah you're paying that like it, the money that they're spending on health care they're not paying you in salary you know so we've actually had people go back to their employer and be like hey if i say no if i decline coverage for health insurance will you pay me the difference and we've had people say get money from their employer be like sure you know, because if you're an employer your employer's probably paying somewhere like five to six thousand dollars maybe seven
0: it's depending match, on where right? you live
1: yeah for a single and if it's a family it's more like twenty, twenty, twenty-one thousand. so you can go back to them and say hey instead of that you know paying five thousand dollars for my health insurance why don't you give me you know three thousand you know i'm better off you're better off um it's a win-win and then you can come to to, to crowd health and it's 175 bucks a month you're saving a thousand bucks a year and you're you know sharing your 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 healthcare expenses with with other bitcoiners the money is still yours like there's so many benefits of that oh and by the way there's no huge deductibles so with your health plan at the employer you probably have a two three four thousand dollar deductible or higher if it's healthcare.gov it's like six seven eight ten thousand mm-hmm. dollars um so you don't have to deal with that and so it's just a better deal so and, and you're not a part of the system anymore you're not in, in part of the the fiat healthcare system yeah hey, you're opting out You're opting out. It's a parallel. I mean, we say we were trying to build a parallel system to the existing system. So be a part of that and stop. Stop being a part of the fiat healthcare system. It's it sucks. It's bad for our society. It's bad for Americans. It's bad for your health. It's just bad. Stop supporting it.
0: It's a bad incentive system. They're overcharging you. They're wearing down doctors. Again, just the the disincentivization of people getting into the healthcare industry particularly like becoming doctors that actually want to help yeah other individuals should be like lesson number one like we need to tear out this bureaucratic bullshit because if not at some point in the future we're going to be extremely fat extremely unhealthy and there's going to be nobody to take care of us
1: well and i think that you know people look at their current health insurance system much like other people look at like at fiat, right? It's just, oh, it's just easy. I don't have to worry about it. You know, I, I don't I don't need multi sig. I don't want to have to deal with, you know, all these things. Well, you know, most of the people reading listening to this have taken that step and said, no, I'm going to make the effort to change the money supply, the way that money is handled. We're changing the money, to change the world, right? Like take a little bit more effort, you know, to change your healthcare option because I'm you will benefit you will benefit from this in the long term and society will benefit from this in the long term, I think, right? And I told you before, and I, I say this humbly, like this is not like a get rich thing for Andy. Like I sold my company, I've already sold one company.
0: We're retired.
1: It was a nine digit exit. Like it was, you know, not insignificant. I could spend my time on the golf course or fishing, which was my two favorite things, spend time with my little kids. Like this is a missional thing for me. This is not like try to get rich. It is, I truly believe that like our healthcare system has to change or our kids, our kids are similar ages, like won't have a system. Like they, they will be stuck in a government owned crappy system. Right. And that's just not right. Like it's, 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 everybody wants to look like, you know, these foreign countries who have, you know, nationalized healthcare. It's like, you don't want, you don't want, you know, the healthcare to own your money or to be responsible for your money. You want them to own your health. Like. Yeah come I mean, on
0: people point to like nih as like this pristine uh universal health care uk and then you talk to like actual brits They're like yeah i wanted to i couldn't go see a doctor for a year
1: yeah you tear your acl and you're sitting there for six months waiting for an orthopedic surgeon and by that time it's you know screwed itself up internally and you, you have to tear it apart and start back again it's like no yeah. no even if it was better i don't want the government having anything to do with my health care no nor do i want my employer to do anything with my health care like same things like the employer should not be in your bus- health care business right yeah. like you should own your health care you know we have four million people in the united states according to the rand corporation who are just in their jobs because of health care and if they had some other form, they would do something entrepreneurial, like so. It's it's called the you know healthcare handcuffs or something like that. You know, it's like yeah, you're from your family. jobs, yeah, because of healthcare. Like that ain't right. Yeah. That's that's anti-American. So you can tell I get fired up about this. But this is not like you know trying to trying to make Andy rich. It truly is like I'm I'm trying to change the way that we do this because I think our country needs this. Yeah,
0: and going back to like opportunity costs, like when the state gets into these things, healthcare. And they perturb the free market from actually providing a solution like crowd health, which you guys are finding around roundabout way to bring it to people. Like again, think of the opportunity cost as people who would have started jobs or excuse me, companies yeah. because they weren't worried about like not getting health care from the company that they're staying with. Again, if we lower healthcare costs because people are healthier, like what would we be able to spend money on for productive endeavors throughout the economy? it's just mind blowing when you think about like the compounding effects of the perverse incentive system that that yeah in healthcare and again it touches all this healthcare it's food it's money it's finance it's, it's there's just the, the incentive systems have been completely borked throughout the economy it's actually pretty astonishing that we we have a functioning society right now um, but it, it does seem like things are getting a bit chaotic and destabilizing uh, in real time but that's why we need people like you, people like Bitcoiners, people like Slim, like identifying these problems. Like, all right, things seem dire, pretty shitty, but there is a way out. Like, well, ho- hold th- the torch, follow yeah. me. Okay.
1: You guys talked about it on your on the podcast. I think it's like when things are destabilized, that's when innovation can occur yeah. um, and and have impact on on really big things. I mean, there so many companies came out of the two thousand seven two thousand eight you know financial crisis that are now. You know some of the leading companies on the, on the on the planet right because they saw the destabilization yeah. and um you know i watched the all in podcast it's one of those ones that i really like i don't know if everybody have you seen it but it's you know four vcs and they're like yeah, yeah. They, they're rolling through all these companies that came out of that recession and it's like holy crap like there's some massive companies that have came out of this destabilization we're seeing it right now and i think really cool companies are going to come out of this and destabilize, you know, in health insurance and all these things, banking and and a lot of these industries that have been, you know, in our lives, unfortunately, for the last, you know, in terms of health insurance, 50, 60 years. Yeah, they're dinosaurs that... They're such dinosaurs. (laughs) They're such dinosaurs. And
0: again, going back to, like, the aesthetics of the industry, too, are just so, you go and you sign in with a pen that's chained to a desk with somebody wearing... (laughs) somebody wearing like some very nondescript like ugly uniform and i think i don't want to denigrate anything but a lot of times like that's the other thing like the people in the healthcare industry a lot of them especially the like front desk people and like aren't healthy at all they're sitting on their asses all day like there's no again when you're looking at don't believe your lying eyes it's like are these people really going to make me more healthy they're not healthy themselves why should i trust them it's a good to question
1: me um, and even some of these health insurance plans who are saying they're like technologically advanced. It's it's the same book. It's a different cover. Yeah. I mean, it's the same stuff. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, it's not good. It's not good. Yeah. There's a
0: lot of data involved and so much paperwork. Like, why can't I just, Hey, I broke my leg.
1: And, one of those technologically advanced companies or insurance companies is the one that I had when my, I had my daughter's ear, ear infections, um, oh, she had literally had a hole in her ear. She had a hole in her ear and the, and the insurance plan said, Nope. medically medically unnecessary a hole in your ear is not good enough to can to make it medically necessary and by the way we're going to you know code it as inpatient this is the hospital inpatient you know even though you're only there for 15 minutes yeah (laughs) i mean it's crazy what um what should we leave the freaks with here you were going into open enrollment oh yeah open so, enrollment. so there's some there. you know october november december are some big months so most of the people who are listening to this are gonna have to make a health care decision whether you know it or not you're gonna have to help make a health care decision here in the next few months you know and so you're gonna have you're either working for a big company and you're gonna have to choose you know if you want your employer your employer insurance plan or not um i would go to your employer go to your hr person be like hey if i decline this can you pay me the difference and see what they say and then then DM me on uh, on Twitter and let me know how it goes because we've had people actually do that, and and release yourself from the employer based model because it's 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 a it's a torching healthcare.
0: It's very stressful too. The whole like pick your plan like you go through yeah. it. it's like what am I getting if I do this I'm just just like all right
1: yeah. I had a I had a buddy who went to Stanford with me and he was you know like top of our class I was bottom of our class but he was top and he's like. That's the one place where I feel like I'm an idiot is when I choose health insurance. He's like, I have no idea like, cl- what all this stuff is. When I was in
0: finance, we'd have, like, the insurance company come in and, like, walk us through everything for, like, hours. It's like, why can't
1: And you I- end up, you're like, co-pays, deductibles, co-insurance. What is all this stuff? Like, yeah. there's no clarity on how much you're going to pay. And and so, you know, get re- release yourself from that. And then if if you don't, you probably have to go to, like, healthcare.gov. Um and that and it's just garbage yeah it's it's absolute garbage and so you know don't do it try try us or you know if there's another one out there there's not really a competitor but there's some other stuff out there try that try something other than insurance because I think you will be uh you know happy with this decision you know we call ourselves delightfully uninsured because we're actually uninsured I'm an uninsured you know all the members of crowd health are uninsured that's my, my goal, my big goal for the world is to have an insurance-less society, <laughs> right? Because I, I, I do think that we will actually prosper on an insurance-less dis- society where right, we actually have agency over all of our healthcare expenses. Yeah,
0: create a better incentive mechanism too.
1: And now I'm incented, right, yeah. to, to, to take care of these things. So um, try CrowdHealth, join CrowdHealth.com, TFTC is, a, is the promo code would love to to have you. Um, you know, if you use TFTC, you're automatically in our Bitcoin community, which is a bunch of bitcoiners who are who are funding each other's healthcare expenses. If you don't want to be a part of that, just reach out to us. I don't know why you wouldn't, but if you just reach out to us and we'll put you into the regular fiat crowd.
0: October, November, December open enrollment. Yes. The most opportune time to opt out of the fiat healthcare system. Opt out. Yes. Go opt out. All right, make your own decision. <laughs> Andy I mean, I'm pumped. We can do the, and this is probably going to be a recurring theme. Uh, we want to. We talked about obesity a lot today, but this is only one topic within the realm of healthcare that, yeah. that we could dive down there's many different rabbit holes
1: i love entrepreneurship too so i would love to come talk about like starting a company and what that like and you know raising money and and all that kind of good stuff it's 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 fun it's interesting i've learned a ton um would love to kind of share some of those experiences
0: yeah no it's actually funny you say that because i've been talking about potentially starting like a different show which is focused on building businesses in the bitcoin space that's similar not the all-in podcast but jason calacanis does another one um focused like talking with founders about the trials and tribulations they go through building their companies and i think um there's definitely room in the bitcoin space for for a show like that where it highlights the because again i run a company on a bitcoin standard so many things yeah um, that go into doing that that are very unique to people running bitcoin companies i think more and more people need to talk about the specific entrepreneurship within bitcoin um which you're dealing with as well um it'd be cool to
1: like see other companies that are actually using bitcoin to fix different industries right like we're trying to use bitcoin to fix healthcare you know right right now you have a big pot of fiat that the health insurance plan holds right that's melting like eight and a half percent last month and melted right and so we're trying to say hey don't get rid of that pot have a decentralized You know your own and hold it in bitcoin which over any intermediate period of time is going to be go up so we're trying to use bitcoin to fix healthcare. like how do we have bitcoin fix food how do we have bitcoin fix all these things that are broken in our society man it'd be super interesting yeah
0: let's do it andy thanks for appreciate it thank you it's uh it's always a pleasure peace and love freaks